0: Good morning to our good friend, Mr. Albat, joining us from somewhere near Heartland. Are things uh, pretty white down there in in Heartland with the snow falling?
1: It is really, really snowing. I, I put the wheelbarrow away, so I think it's uh,
0: <laughs> the it, end of the season.
1: Kind of, yeah, bugled the end of that sort of activity, and we had a, a basketball game tonight that we were. Uh, hoping to attend but that has been postponed oh congratulations
0: weather, so. to joey bat who just set a, a record of one of the top 1000 points uh in her i guess it's, is it per year or per career here at minnesota state university on the maverick team
1: it, it's uh per career she's a junior i wish it was per year <laughs> boy that would be uh she uh yeah we're pretty proud of her she works works awfully hard and uh just uh I'm proud of her. She's a sweet young lady, and um, getting older all the time. Though I don't know how that works, you know. You, you still—I'm uh, sure everybody that has kids or grandkids—you still think of them as picking them up in the hospital or something and holding them and saying, "Boy, this is this really something." It is—it uh, is really snowing, and uh, I, at Thanksgiving. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving with family, and we had a Thanksgiving possum. No, we didn't. We didn't eat a possum. (laughs) Like Granny? Yeah, Granny Jones would fix up the possum and grits, and Jed was just so happy. He'd say, wee doggies. That was the best possum and grits I ever had. This one, was. it was like a beautiful photo that had outgrown its frame. There were three deer and a Virginia possum under the feeders eating. And the possum is nearsighted. It suffers in cold weather. Tails and ears are subject to frostbite. It plays dead or possum for up to four hours when it's threatened. It's an omnivore with 50 teeth. It eats ticks, slugs, mice, and rats. I love seeing a possum. It's often called a, a possum, although it's spelled O P. O-S-S-U-M, it should be opossum, possum but we call it possum. And I love seeing it because it's one more interesting thing for me to look at. And, uh, boy, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, you had mentioned something uh, off the air last week about the 12 days of Christmas and the yeah. birds that are on there. It's December, what, 25th through January 5th. Are the twelve days of Christmas, and it was odd because a, a columnist just sent me stuff. Uh, people, uh, nice writers, send me things and ask me to critique them, and oh. I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. It's just, <laughs> I, you know. I battle enough with the stuff I write without having to critique somebody else's. So I just thank them for sending that. But hers was written about the 12 days of Christmas. There's a thing floating around on the Internet forever and a theory claiming that during the time when Christians were punished for worshiping openly, the 12 days of Christmas song was used to secretly pass on the ideology of Christianity. And each gift on the list symbolized a different aspect of the Christian faith. But And it's really cool. But if you think about it, if Christians were living in fear of even mentioning the basic tenets of Christianity, how were they able to sing a song that mentions the word Christmas in nearly every lyric? It just wouldn't work. So I think ultimately the 12 Days of Christmas is about romance. And the most familiar line of the carol is its very first gift, the partridge in a pear tree. And I, I know somewhere I had read that later some of the songs were changed so it was a peacock in a pear tree. But there are 45 partridge species in the world, and oh, you could throw all the quail and ptarmigan and pheasants in there and probably stretch them out to be considered partridges. But the bird most likely to be to have inspired the song's first lyric is a red legged partridge. Mm-hmm. And this bird, because it's native to Western Europe and remains in the region year round. So including being there during the holiday season. So it would it would stand that this would be the the partridge they're writing about. Two turtle doves they're the second day's holiday gift, and that common name of the dove could apply to more than 350 species of pigeons and doves. Oh, my. But <laughs> it's widely believed, I would think, that the European turtle dove is the one in the song. And then what do we have, the three French hens? The term hens, well, it generally refers to what female domestic poultry. And the fact that these hens are specifically French could be a nod to the song's possible French inspiration. And there are roughly 40 chicken breeds that originate in France, and all of which could be imported to England. For calling birds, when we uh, talked a little bit on the air, calling birds to me are songbirds.
0: Hmm, That makes sense. Yeah,
1: they're calling, they're singing. But in some of the... uh, Renditions of this is collie birds.
0: Collie? Like as in collie dog or honey?
1: Except with a Y. Oh. E-O-L-L-Y. Okay. And uh, if you think about that or if you look it up, it's an old English word for black or, or coal. So, calling or collie could refer to the same bird, the Eurasian blackbird. It's a black thrush with a lovely voice. The gift of, uh, what are we up to, six geese laying, that would be another food gift, and there's like 30 species of wild geese in the world, and I would guess it'd be the gray-legged goose would be the one most likely. Uh, seven swans a swimming, that would probably refer to the mute swan. And every birder who hears 11 pipers piping, we don't think about pipers. We probably think about it, the, the song is referring to shorebirds, pipers and peeps. There's more than 25 oh. sandpiper species See? in the world.
0: I didn't know those were can, birds too, Al. I, now I learned something more. See, that's all the birds everywhere.
1: And there's a uh, bird called a piping plover, Okay. and that was the one that I would think. So those are the birds in there, but I think the guy is just trying to impress uh, his sweetie by just uh, giving her all these birds, which would probably drive her nuts (laughs) and drive her into the arms of somebody else who's who's not so uh, giving of um, birds and maybe gold or candy or something. I got a thing from, uh, it's candystore.com. Every uh, holiday they send me, they sing, and they, they show what is a favorite candy in each state. So in Minnesota, they show that the third favorite candy is Reese's Cup Minis. Okay. The second is Hershey's Kisses, and number one is Peppermint Bark. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about those.
0: That I, now this is for Christmas candy, is what they're saying, or or candy in general.
1: Favorite Christmas candy. Christmas candy?
0: Huh. Well, I would. I don't think I would necessarily agree with that, but whatever.
1: I wouldn't. <clears throat> I wouldn't think. Uh, you know, blessings to everybody who loves peppermint bark. <laughs> I, I would That wouldn't be on my list of uh, what kind of candy to have. Oh, I'd love some peppermint bark. I, I would love it so I could give it to somebody who likes peppermint bark. It's just, but it's good. We don't all like the same thing. Uh, the old comedian used to say, uh, "If we all liked the same thing, everybody would be chasing his wife." So I think that's <laughs> probably uh, some truth to that.
0: What about peanut so, brittle? You know, I always kind of like that peanut brittle stuff. Is that that's considered candy, isn't it? Because it's got protein yeah. in it, so it must be good for us
1: and i do like peanut brittle the only problem with peanut brittle is some of it becomes like concrete yeah and your teeth (laughs) just much we used to get those when i was a kid every christmas and i think that led to maybe cavities or something because we had to gnaw on that thing i threw it out and a squirrel just threw it down on the ground said this is way too hard (laughs) for me i'm not chewing on this the worst candies in the usa I'll give everybody just a couple seconds to think because it probably there's one that comes just galloping to everybody's mind. Uh, the worst number ten is chocolate orange. Chocolate
0: orange is good, isn't it?
1: I I don't eat chocolate, so oh, I don't know. But okay. I, my sister-in-law loves it, so yeah. we uh, very often get her. Number nine is peppermint bark. And it's number nine <laughs> worst Christmas candy yet in Minnesota, according to this. It's our favorite it's peppermint ca- candy. So okay. I don't know what that means. Number eight might be my least favorite, ribbon candy.
0: Oh, yeah. That used to be what they used to give you when you had your Sunday school program at church and they would put little little uh, brown paper bags of had ribbon candy and like apples and peanuts in it. If I recall.
1: But. Yeah, when we'd go see Santa Claus, he'd give us a brown paper bag with peanuts, a red delicious apple, and then it'd have ribbon yeah. candy and some of that old-fashioned hard candy mix. Uh, number seven is Peeps, and my wife loves Peeps.
0: Oh, no, so, there, uh, that's, yeah. that would, I would agree with that. Nah.
1: Number six is that old-fashioned hard candy mix. Number five is Nun Peppermint Candy Cane. Number four, Lifesaver Storybooks. Uh, <laughs> number three is uh, those chocolate-covered cherry cordials.
0: Oh, those yeah. are my favorites. I love uh, those. Those are
1: My dad, too. Oh. That's what everybody got him for Christmas because he made too. a mistake one year saying, boy, I love these. Things. Me, too. <laughs> Thanks for getting them. So he said, that's what dad's getting every year is those chocolate-covered cherry cordials because we know he likes those. Uh, Number two is reindeer corn, and they're just trying to dress up. It's candy corn. It's colored red, white, and green, and they're trying to fool us that reindeer corn is different than candy corn. It's the same thing. And the number one worst Christmas candy in the United States, and again, this is according to candystore.com, the Christmas nougat candy And that's kind of that Soft, squishy stuff That might have a little Christmas tree on the side oh. Yeah, so that's the worst Which I, uh, I don't know that I'd Put that as the worst
0: I would add that fruitcake might be on the list If it was considered oh, a candy
1: no, Those <laughs> are fighting words I like fruitcake
0: <laughs> my, my dad always used to bake it and used to make really good stuff But some of the stuff that you buy isn't as good So I'm just saying
1: a lot of people get the uh, fruitcake as just a sneaky way to drink brandy, I yeah. think. They pour it on the fruitcake and say, well, you got to moisten it a little bit. And I say, well, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't have to use brandy, but apparently you have you to do. use whatever your favorite liquor is.
0: Hey, Al, I've got a couple uh, of uh, face or uh, text here I want to share with you. Uh, Casey Madsen sure. in Heartland, Minnesota, says the last round of corn harvest, he flushed a coyote... Three rooster pheasants and a first scene for my wife Stacy and I, an American woodcock. Enjoy your radio Aww. program! So, thanks, Casey.
1: Casey, thank you so much. Casey and his wife are a couple of the Earth's best people. Um, yeah, the American Woodcock, uh, b- oh, Bog Sucker, Timber Doodle, it has all these strange names. And I remember being out in that combine, not yours, Casey, but ours, and uh, it was amazing what you chase out of um, uh, cornfields. So a lot of things are living out there. So thank you, Casey. Appreciate hearing from you.
0: I've got another one from Jeff in Janesville. He says, "Ask Al, what small sparrow-sized bird I may be seeing at my bird feeder. One of the pair had a dark orange or crimson breast, and some, and the same on both sides of the crown of its head." Thanks, Jeff in Janesville.
1: An orange or crimson breast. Oh, gosh. What and and then be? it says,
0: and the same on both sides of the crown of its head.
1: We get uh, fox sparrows that come in, so they have sort of a, what you'd expect from a fox sparrow, have that sort of reddish fox color. We get Harris's sparrows that will have a black spot on the breast. We do get... Um, American tree sparrows but they have a little spot on the brass but their head can be r- kind of rusty colored Oh uh, gosh those would be about it this time of year uh, if you have a photo Jeff I'd love to see it uh, and I'm probably missing one
0: well if he can yeah, send it to the text he can text it to us or he can email it to us however and we can maybe share that if, if he's hey able Jeff, to get if that you
1: do that I'd appreciate hearing from you Jeff i uh, Thanks for listening. Hey, I've got another one
0: from Micah before you go. This is an email from Micah, uh, and we hear from Micah every now and again. Micah says, with weather like this, we could use two hours of albat. Wishing, just saying, wishing every nice person a wonderful day from Micah. Thank you, Micah.
1: Micah is a epitomizes nice person, so I appreciate him. Uh, Karen, and you mentioned about the Canada geese on Loon Lake and Wasika,
0: and uh, folks... They had a die-off, didn't they? A bunch of them died off, and so it's kind of a mystery, right? Is that the one you're talking about?
1: Over 100 geese were found there, and you mentioned it to me that they died of pneumonia, which... uh, that's a fungal disease, so, you know, I would think it'd be unusual for that disease to cause a mass die-off, because you think about it, if somebody in your family has pneumonia, you know, it just it not one of those things you just think's going to get more people, I guess. Well, the and DNR, I, according,
0: sh- Al, according to the DNR, it says the birds died of pneumonia or pulmonary aspergillosis, which is, like you mentioned, is a fungal disease, so that's kind of unusual, like you said.
1: It sure is, and if for folks that are worried, they tested them for avian flu, and the results, oh. I know, all came back negative. And, I, you know, the weather and the fall migration, it certainly crowds birds together, but it's, it still just seems odd that uh, that. So it, I'm glad they found out what happened, because um, otherwise there's rampant speculation about what's going
0: on Are there. more likely to have that happen, or is it just kind of an isolated incident, do you think?
1: You know, I I haven't heard of anything other happening anywhere around the United States, so it's kind of an odd thing. So I'm sure there'll be a lot more testing and uh, trying to figure out what in the world. Uh, I would guess there's so many forms of pneumonia. I, I'm certainly no doctor, nor have ever played one on television. <laughs> but I'm I'm assuming there's all different kinds of pneumonia. So this might be one that's uh, particularly uh, tough on geese so it's but yeah it's, everything is there's always scary stuff speaking of now i want to thank kathy peterson of albert lee who got a hold of the wrc the wildlife rehabilitation center and they sent somebody down because there were three pelicans on albert lee lake uh, two of them uh, sadly died but as far as i know they were uh, hoping to catch the third one and i haven't heard from kathy so but i i just want to thank her for for doing that That's that's awfully nice i, I want to thank shelly caldwell uh shelly said you asked what folks will use when plastic utensils are not available because in canada they are uh Little by little, uh, they're doing away with all the single-use plastic items. And a couple years ago, Shelley said, My guy's thoughtful sister found these great bamboo utensils, and we cannot recommend them enough. They travel very well and easily fit into my purse. Our trail packs when camping or hiking are in the glove box or center console of the vehicle. Tis the season for great gift ideas. After all, it's at EarthHero dot com. EarthHero. Uh, Shelley says we love listening and look forward to your segment with Karen every week on KMSU. My mom also clips and saves tales from the Bat Cave from the Fairview County Register. <laughs> To be sure, no one misses out. Now I'm off to Minneopa to get wild and look at some birds. Thank you for your tremendous tales and valuable insights. Uh, Shelley. thank you for much more than that. Uh, I carry some in my car that are made from uh, soybeans, I think. Soybeans are corn. You know, I can't tell anymore. They can make everything out of soybeans and corn. But I carry them in there, and I got them at, uh, somebody gave them to me at a, uh, a show. Uh, the I heard from back Brad Baldwin saying that the Fairmont Christmas bird count will be Tuesday, December 20th. Anyone interested, please contact Brad Baldwin. It's a 507 number. It's 831-1189. 831-1189. Uh, Brad says, participants don't need to be experts, and they can count at their feeders. The county area is a a seven-and-a-half-mile circle centered at Amber Lake Park in Fairmont. It reaches the Iowa border, and it includes the towns of East Chain, Wilbert, and Imogene. So if you've always wanted to bird in Wilbert and Imogene, this will be your chance. Uh, Arlene Tiar of Northfield asked about discerning house finches from purple finches. Uh, yeah, these two uh, closely related species, they're sparrow sized they have stout bills, and I could fill the whole radio show on this subject, but I'll go with what I hope proves useful. Most males can be distinguished by the shade of red. So a house finch tends to have an orangish tint, and a purple finch appears like wine red, like it had been dipped in wine. And this can be helpful but ambiguous. Females can be distinguished by the contrasting dark and light markings on purple finches, including a light eyebrow stripe and the muted gray-brown coloration on house finches. So if it has a light eyebrow stripe, that's a purple finch. Uh, Look for what I call a headband effect. So it's kind of a peak on the head of a purple finch male, and the uh, smoothly rounded head on a house finch. And I guess that would be on the females also. A purple finch has a distinct notch at the tip, while a house finch has a longer tail that is slightly notched. The problem there is they both have a notch. Uh, Purple finch, if you look at them like it's a little human, they have sort of a broad-shouldered look, and the house finch looks more slender, Uh, like it maybe runs a little bit more than the purple finch. A good method of telling the male finches apart is to look at the bird's lower flanks so that'd be below the wings to the tail if the flanks are streaked with brown it's a male house finch if the flanks are white with a hint of pink it's a male purple finch which has kind of a cloudy white belly and to my mind purple finches are calmer at the feeders they're not so flighty So I know that's a a lot of stuff there, but I hope one of those will jump out. I do like the uh, lower flanks. Uh, If it has brown on it, it's a male house finch. uh, A chipmunk. I've got a chipmunk right here in my yard. He's out there now digging in the snow and he looks like he has impacted wisdom teeth. (laughs) Uh, A chipmunk's cheek pouches are like cargo pants guys we all know how those cargo pants we put everything in there Uh, that's why we need men purses and i carry one because i don't fill up those cargo pants they uh, their cheek pouches can expand up to three times their normal size that allow the chipmunk to carry food and national geographic reports that a hard-working chipmunk can gather 165 acorns in a single day And in his book, Winter World, Bern Heinrich, who I love his books, uh, counted 60 sunflower seeds packed into just one cheek pouch. On one side. In a good year, one four-ounce chipmunk can stockpile eight pounds of food, and they do it without renting a single storage unit. (laughs) So that is really amazing to put that. I think uh, humans, if we get up to 10 pounds, we have to rent a storage unit. You know, one time
0: we had a contest, I can't remember, was for some one of those, you know, icebreakers or, or, I don't know, some bonding team thing or whatever. And and one of the, the... competitions was to see how many marshmallows you could fit in your mouth and I was bound and determined I was going to win and I I don't remember I think it was something like 27 it was a ridiculous high number oh of gosh. marshmallows and all I know is after that I had so many sores in my mouth it, it was just awful it was not worth winning that title of having the most marshmallows in my mouth at a time but I'm just saying people do stupid things and chipmunks do it because I guess survival.
1: It is, yep, and they got to get that into the pantry, and they do have a little food pantry down there in the borough, and it, it, that allows an industrious chipmunk to snack while watching Netflix <laughs> on nasty winter days. And an interesting fact, uh, most chipmunks are named Chip, Dale, Alvin, Simon, or Theodore. <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of you knew that, I know. Yeah, I, when you said all those marshmallows, oh. I thought, boy, that would have to be hard on the mouth, I would it,
0: think. I uh, had those, you know, like the mouth sores after that for, oh, oh it was, aw- yeah, I thought, why did I do that? Just because I could,
1: <laughs> I guess. Just a, a text saying, uh, are bluebirds here in the winter, Al? Um Yeah, I just saw one here a couple of days ago, and uh, I don't know where this kind person is texting from, but they just saw one. Uh, Eastern bluebirds are occasionally present in winter months, primarily in central and southern regions of Minnesota. And Iowa, the Iowa DNR said up to a third of its bluebirds stay in Iowa. And how do they do that? Well, they feed on... uh, Red cedar, Virginia creeper, sumac, bittersweet, hackberry, hawthorn, those would be pr- plants that feed wintering bluebirds. And uh, I, I'm glad you got to see one, and uh, I hope it's a bluebird of happiness, and it uh, brings you happiness. And I hope everyone just hearing about the bluebird of happiness will bring you happiness to- today uh... thanks for sitting on the front porch with us uh, be careful out there when you're driving around because you know how it is there's going to be slippery spots it just can't help but be in minnesota i think even when it's completely dry weather we have slippery spots it's just a part of being a Minnesotan. we have leftovers that we're wondering what to do with i bet a lot of you're that way or maybe you've got them eaten uh but the leftovers we're wondering what to do with especially the guy sleeping in our recliner (laughs) who we we don't recognize and claims to be my late aunt esther's second husband who said (laughs) esther told him he should stop by and spend a few days with us but i never had an on esther so i was about to tell him to scram when he shook my hand and said earth that meant the world to me <laughs> thank you everybody for listening you mean the world to me uh remember heartland is well worth driving past uh, uh jeff i look forward to getting uh i'm gonna say tree sparrow but i'd love to see a photo uh I'm, A Harris's Sparrow might fit that, but if you can get a photo, that would be wonderful, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. I enjoyed your company, and Karen, as always, uh, I revel in your company.
0: Well, thank you, Al. It's always great to chat with you. We'll be back again next week.
1: I'm going to go out and uh, swallow some more snow so I can uh, hack a little bit. (laughs) That worked pretty well.
0: All right. Thanks, Al. Bye-bye.